As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. It is January 20th, 2023. This is Tom coming to you from the Houston Outpost. Nick Joyce from the DC Outpost. And if you can reverse that on the tape, you'll know where we really are. He will Let's read everything on the teleprompter. Lay under the radar. <laughs> Burgundy will read anything that goes into that teleprompter, but it doesn't right. really matter because whether you're in the south of the United States or the East Coast, you're all reacting to the same news, which we're bringing to you guys a few days late here after we had lives to attend to, but it actually worked out well now that we've had a few days to digest the big news, the absolute shocker of the century. Dad, rate on a scale of one to 10 your surprise at Matt, Matt Canada coming back, and then one to 10 your anger at Matt Canada coming back. Because I think Steelers Nation is generally simmering out of 10 on both categories right now. Can you calibrate the 1 to 10 as one mildest reaction surprise? One would be my, not uh, one would be not surprised at all and not angry at all. Two. Two in the surprise category? Two in the surprise category. And how about on the anger meter? Literally, I'm not angry. I can't be angry. So are you a supporter of Matt Canada? Do you think this was a good decision for the Steelers? Or do you think this was maybe the only decision they could make? Or or why aren't you upset? Are you the only Matt Canada lover in the entire Steelers? Not only Steelers Nation, but a lot of well-known uh, broadcasters and film breakdowners, not just on Steelers Twitter, but even guys like A.Q. Shipley, professional offensive line players and coaches from McAfee Show. You tell me why you're only at a two on the anger scale. Because I have learned... That rather than be angry, we're supposed to be curious. And I am curious. <laughs> and I'm not curious about the decision-making. Nice. I feel that the decision was made in the guise of all the decisions that Mike Tomlin and whomever and the Steelers have made. They hang on to guys. They give them a long leash. And I'm also what I'm curious about is to see his maturation as an offensive coordinator next year because we saw signs of it. So... I recorded a low audio quality podcast on this topic by myself yesterday until we were able to arrange this for us both to be on the podcast. And I found myself uh, hating the words that I was saying on the podcast because I felt like I was just being too reactionary and negative towards Steelers Twitter for being so angry about the signing because I'd rate my surprise as a two as well. I think that we've been saying probably for about the five, last five weeks when the Steelers' offense started to get on track. You know, it's not that they started to get on track five weeks ago, but I'd say around five weeks ago was when they started putting together four or five consecutive games of watchable offensive football. 
But then definitely after the two last-second comeback victories by Kenny Pickett, it sort of seemed like a foregone conclusion. Hey, you you can think what you want about Matt Canada, and a lot of that is objective in terms of his difficulties with play calling. Just when you look at the sheer small number of formations he uses, and there are a lot of trackable elements to show that this is an easy coordinator to predict, sure. But you also can't deny the leaps and bounds that this offense took in the second half of the year. And when I say that, I don't mean to say that Canada's the permanent solution. I just think fans get, I don't want to say impatient. I want to say a little bit like unrealistic at how fast you can turn the corner. And the Steelers started this year with the worst offensive line in the league who ended up maturing to be pretty good offensive line. Like we stated, they were they were okay from actually the very beginning of the season. You had Mitch Trubisky as your quarterback. A guy who had started 60-plus games, he's been horrible his whole career. And we got to talk ourselves into being, oh, he's a first-round pick. He's never been good. So the bar I felt like was getting moved a little bit before the Steelers season to avoid the inevitable truth, which is that the Steelers are a huge question mark, and at best, they are young with potential. But there was nothing on the offense, if you pay attention to any of the rest of the NFL, that was saying that the Steelers should be good. And you watch Najee Harris run east and west early in the year, which is not a Matt Canada or Mike Tomlin thing, right? So the performance of the players wasn't good. And Matt Canada didn't have a ton to work with for the second year in a row, right? When you had a decrepit Ben and a decrepit line and really nothing else to speak of. And so you do have to sort of set your expectations accordingly, and that doesn't mean you're trying to sell yourself short. If you're just saying like, hey, there's only one Kyle Shanahan. You know, whether you want to say it's Shanahan and McVeigh, there's only a few utterly elite offensive coordinators who can just take a team like the Mitch Trubisky Steelers and make them decent at offense. Kyle Shanahan is like Patrick Mahomes. There's only a few. So... If you look at it through that realistic prism of how good the Steelers could be, the fact that they got much better, much better over the second half of the season is, is once again, an objective stat when you look at their percentage of drives that netted first downs. When you use the eye test, oh man, they had a lot more sustained drives. They had a lot more big plays. Yes, they're still only scoring freaking 18 points a game, but you're in danger of becoming a box score watcher when you're just like, oh, it's 18 points per game. If you have eyes and look at other metrics, they did improve. So all that is for me to say, it would be hard to upset that upward trajectory right now. And I, so I, I understand that with a rookie quarterback who everybody in the NFL and everybody in the public feels good about with Kenny Pickett, it sort of seems like you should keep doing what you're doing Unless there is a Kyle Shanahan option out there. And that's where I'll just raise my hand and say, hey, I don't know. I mean, obviously there's not because if anybody knows anything about Shanahan, who I keep using as the example, like the man was successful. He made Brian Hoyer with the Browns into a great quarterback. He made Matt Schaub with the Texans. He had an extensive resume of successful offenses. I can't think of any coordinators out there who fit that bill. Pep Hamilton is a cool guy that we like. He doesn't have a an overly successful track record. I guess I'm just trying to say is unless there's a diamond in the rough I don't know about, 
I don't think that there's this, hey, let's drop an elite offensive coordinator into the Steelers camp and just deal with the growth period where it would make it worth it. I kind of understand bringing him back while everything is going in a, in a positive trajectory, but kind of like how Alex Kazora, the great Steelers blogger, put it this week on Twitter, the difference is now 2023 is the expectation is a good offense. And to me, they better be a good offense, at least getting 24 points a game. I'm not saying 30. By week one, week one, week two, week three, they need to be good right off the bat. They no longer have the excuses. And so I understand not upsetting the apple cart that way. And I don't think it's that insane when you just consider the fact that it's like, yeah, if we could all have Patrick Mums, we'd, we'd, we'd have him. But I don't know what coordinator is such a world beater that he would come in with this young Steelers team and just absolutely kill it right away. Why do you think the Steelers scored, their scoring was so paltry when they held onto the ball? I'd like to see, and what I haven't done, I should have done this, is to take a look at how many times, you know, what the progress of each drive was relative to the rest of the league. I mean, there were long drives, so they were getting downfield, but... Why do you, what prohibited, I'm looking them up in the Steelers, you know, if they were such a low scoring team, they, you would have at least thought they would have had, um, well, you know what? The Steelers had the second most field goals made in the leagues. That, that tells you something. Two things. Here's the biggest thing. And this really annoys me about, I don't understand like why people want to, here I am. I'm going to get negative. I'm going to accuse people. So let me stop and just say this as a statement here. The the year-end ranking for the Steelers, they're meaningless because the first half of the year was so bad on the account of everybody. Like, I know we want to blame Tomlin or somehow Colbert escapes blame. for Like, I know we want to blame, blame, blame. Like, you should just be able to reload like Alabama every year. But that's not the case. You lost your Hall of Fame quarterback, receiver, top three line in the, in the NFL. We have George Pickens now. Dad, I think there's a very good argument to be made. I love George Pickens. I think there's a very good argument to be made. Martavis Bryant is better than George Pickens. And I know we're really excited about George Pickens, but Martavis Bryant, yes, he was playing with Ben. The guy scored a 50-yard touchdown every game. He scored 10 games in a row. Like, what I'm trying to say is, like, I know we're excited about things, but you lost a lot with that team. And if in any NFL, given any draft, right, if your first three picks are starters, that's an unbelievable draft. That's only three players, and that never happens. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it's going to take four years just to refill the cupboard. So with how bad the Steelers were the first half of the year in offense, sure, a better coordinator could have made them better, but there was no, no coordinator who was going to compete with the Bengals you know, and the really good teams that are already farther in their development. So when we look at year-end rankings for the Steelers, they're basically meaningless. You should really be looking at what they did in a rather large sample size of the final nine games of the season. And I'm not saying Canada would be the guy, but I guess I have a vision of team building where you can let Canada handle this beginning baby stage. And unless he has a great jump up by the, this time next year, then you can fire him and move along to a better guy once Kenny Pickett and George Pickens and these young guys really have their sea legs under them. But I think the question is, can offensive coordinators improve the way that quarterbacks and other players can? Because when you look at Canada's offense, he has problems with play sequencing. He has problems with predictability. 
but when you really come down to it, it's really two issues. Number one, explosive plays, which Kenny Pickett spoke about at length this week on Cam Hayward's podcast. I, I think you might have talked about it on McAfee. They know that they need to generate explosive plays. That has never been a problem in, in Pittsburgh until the past few years. And they got some guys who can get downfield, and we'll see if Kenny can get the ball to them. And then the other thing is red zone. And some coordinators and some quarterbacks never get red zone. So I'm not going to say that Canada can get it, but with the way the Steelers were able to run kind of on anybody at the end of the year, if you have two areas to improve on and your quarterback should automatically better be better just by virtue of not being a rookie on a bad team, like that doesn't seem impossible to me, right? Like we just need a couple more, two, three more explosive plays per game, maybe three, four, right? And then red zone, that's a tough one. I don't know. There are coordinators who never get that. But it does seem sort of manageable to me with the amount of uh, success they had running the ball and how consistent. They really never got stopped running the ball over the second half of the season. So I'm not a big Canada fan. When you watch the offense, it's really sad to watch playoff teams and to be like, wow, look at all the formations and the dig routes. And there's all kinds of things you can do in football. Like, of course, I'm not trying to defend Canada as a great coordinator, but I guess I'm just not seeing the utter doom that other people are proclaiming for the Steelers and for Kenny's whole career. Okay. A few things. One, just to validate what you're saying, the Steelers scored 15 and a half points through the first nine, nine games of the season and scored 21 in the second half per game. So clear, clear improvement there in the scoring. I'd love somebody, Huge. I'd love for somebody to explain to me why we couldn't punch it in, in the red zone, especially when you had such a, improved running game where you think we could do that. So as far as Canada goes and his ability to um, improve, and we had talked about this earlier and it's something you've always said, the players themselves, their, their athleticism is kind of cast in iron out of college. Not too many guys get faster. Yeah. Maybe they can get bigger, but, and maybe stronger, but their, their speed and their athleticism is kind of a fixed point in Canada's, like we don't know if he has the dexterity of mind, but he is showing uh, a little bit more liberal playbook as the season went on, and that could be both a he's learning, b or three things. One he's learning. One he's more comfortable in the booth. You know, like Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the nose. So the game plan needs to flex as the game goes on, and maybe he just mm -hmm. didn't have enough command in the moment in the heat of the moment to make changes like other coaches can. And, and he has, he, he, there is a lot of material out there to copy. You don't have to originate a West coast offense to, yeah. to get better. So there, there is a script he can follow, you know, to improve our playbook. And as you said, I mean, I think this all does center around as much as I want to build the offensive line. If your quarterback is, is gun shy or nervous, you're not going to be throwing 30 yard bombs, right? You're just going to try and, game manage as best you can. So I, I see for those three reasons, I see there's a capability of a coach to improve. He's not fixed in uh, his capabilities. I think the fact that they succeeded in creating a run game is so massive because now it kind of takes that off your plate where you can really focus on like, how do we use this run game? How do we use the formations that are, our bread and butter, the motions that are our bread and butter, and how do we turn this 
into a an intermediate and deep passing game. And like you said, just take it from other teams. You know, so I don't like if it were that easy, if everyone could take everything from other teams, then anyone could be an offensive coordinator, right? So we're obviously oversimplifying there. Anybody who just watched film for a while, there's a huge art in it and the play sequencing and everything like that. And I think the play sequencing and the art and the touch for it, the mental dexterity, that's what you're referring to in terms of, hey, once a player gets out of college, like they're as fast, like Deontay's a fast guy. He's never going to be as fast as Tyreek Hill. You don't train for that. But Deontay can become a more nuanced route runner. He can learn how to catch better on the sideline. He can learn how to read zone coverages, all things that he did. You know, I'm using a guy who we want to trash all the time because Deontay is very frustrating. But I'm just we're giving the example of like there's certain innate talent and then there's certain things that you can improve on. So I don't know whether um, Canada will ever have that upper echelon feel for play calling. And it seems to me that the only people I've ever seen truly have that graduated from college as 22-year-olds and immediately went into the NFL as quality control guys and learned the NFL from the bottom up, not guys who coached in college, which is truly like arithmetic, you know, addition and subtraction compared to algebra offensively when you're talking about the college game versus the pro game. So I don't know if he'll ever have that upper echelon, but then you could also argue that maybe like, uh, you know, Todd Haley had some sequencing issues, but damn, he found a lot of great ways to get AB the ball. He found great ways to run the ball. He found all kinds of great things to do. So I'm not saying you need Sean McVay, but can this guy become average? And then if you hope Kenny Pickett turns into what it's looking like he's going to turn into, that's the missing factor. It's the quarterback. Like, I know we want to praise Andy Reid for how great he is at offense, because he is. But just remember, before Mahomes got there, they had the number one rated quarterback in the league. Alex Smith, number one quarterback rating. We beat them with field goals, only field goals in the playoffs. Nobody was scared of them. They weren't truly an elite offense. Then they added one player, Patrick Mahomes, right? So you just sometimes got to be a little realistic about that. So I guess that's what I think. I'm like, it doesn't seem insane for me that the the Kenny Pickett spends the whole offseason working on his footwork and his pocket navigation, which is what we know he needs to focus on. And Matt Canada and Tomlin and the boys focus on like, how do we get the ball downfield four or five more times a game? And then the red zone thing, you're asking how, like what happens there? The only answer I can give to that is that's where the quarterbacks make their money, right? That's where the great coordinators and great quarterbacks make their money, where everything's condensed and it is what it is, but it helps when you have a quarterback like Kenny Pickett who will just extend the play and make it happen in the red zone. So I, I'm, I'm not as dejected as everybody else about the hire because I also think that team building is a long, multi-year-long process, and Canada could be the girlfriend that prepared these guys for manhood. Sometimes, this is very Colin Coward, you got to have the girlfriend who says, like, dude, you got, you got to wash gotta wash the clothes gotta do laundry on a weekly basis like you gotta do this you gotta do that okay thank goodness they know that sometimes that girl or that guy will get another girl or guy ready for the next phase of their life and maybe that's what Canada is maybe he's the uh maybe he's the uh girlfriend or boyfriend before the spouse look I, I want to uh apologize to to our audience for coming out late various reasons that are just 
excuses in the end. Sorry about that, but we are committed to getting something out earlier next week. But this was, you're right, the delay did enable us to talk about Matt Canna. I think we covered it. So in conclusion, you and I aren't losing sleep over this. We're hopeful. We're not unrealistic. There is a combination of maturation of Matt's maturation, as I call it, and the offensive evolution that hopefully increases um, the productivity of the offense. And I know some people are going to point out the the level of competition we played in the second half, but I I would say the offense, the eye test cannot be deceived. That offensive line, it just sort of proves that maxim, right? That the offensive line needs to play together, to coordinate together. And you, you saw the results of that. I'll be, here's my question to you. Have you changed your opinion about what positions the Steelers should be drafting for? And and you give me a short answer, and we can maybe dive into this on uh, Sunday when we, or Monday when we do the next episode. I'm gonna say that I have not. Whereas the I still think it's got to be best offensive lineman available in round one, kind of no matter what. Whereas I see most other people saying they actually have some flexibility to take just best player available since they have the two first round picks. Um, cause they could use linebacker, they could use D lineman, they could use a corner, all this stuff. I do disagree just because I'm gonna point out the obvious. The Steelers had the same starting five linemen the whole year. Let's hope that nobody has a big injury next year, but the odds of that happening are, are close to zero. So I really think they need to bolster that, especially considering the fact that I'm very excited about Kenny Pickett and Najee and Fryermuth and Deontay and Pickens. But they are not, it is never going to be Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. And so, if you do want to compete with those offenses, you kind of need to be overwhelming on in your depth on the offensive side of that. So, I do think that they should take offensive line no matter what. Um, but I understand if that's not the direction they go. Yeah, we'll see. That's a wrap. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye bye.